welcome to this week's edition. Come stop on by to our franchise restaurant that we're calling Out of the Podcast. And we got a hot heaping helping a fancy Dan on the mic, don't we? Yum. Mm. <laughs> here to say yum. And Gentleman Joey here to say, here's your bill and welcome to the show. Welcome. How much does this show cost, Dan? I mean, not really, but like metaphorically. Metaphorically. Hmm. Right now? Is it now, a good, de- right it a now good deal? Not- yeah, right, right now, now we're probably still a good deal. Okay, I'm, I'm thinking like, what, what about 1945? Like, am I thinking? Oh, about... Yeah, just as for inflation. Yeah. All right. For now, I think I, I think we're a good like 12.99 meal. Wow. Okay. That better fill me up. Yeah. Back I think then, especially. Good. Are you are, are you talking now or? Are you I'm talking, talking now. Yeah. Okay. I got worried for a second. I was like, back then, I better own the restaurant at that. Point. Yeah. I say 12.99 <laughs> back then. Yeah. You're you're that that's the whole menu right there. How you doing, buddy? Did you eat well? I'm doing okay. Yeah. I, I did you eat the whole well. menu. I did. I That's did. Good. Why make a you? choice, right? I, yeah, I can't decide. I'd, I'd want it all. You want some 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 pancakes? We'll all share, right? We're yeah. all going to share. Yeah. I'll take some pancakes, sure. Yeah, why not? Pancakes are good. They're, they're pretty fucking good, yeah. yeah. I haven't had them in a long time. Yeah. I've never changed that, yeah. More of a French toast guy, I feel like, if I'm going towards the, uh, the breaded arts, especially when it comes to the maple syrup compliments. I can get down with some French toast. I, yeah. I, I'm pr- I, I mean... Any of those. You put you put a waffle in front of me, French toast, pancakes. I'll I'll get any of them. Waffle's good too, yeah. 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 I don't have a toaster in my life right now, so that's probably why I don't do many waffles. Yeah, that's tough. Throwing everything in the oven, man. But I'm a yeah. pro at that. Yeah. Or you gotta get one of the yeah, the waffle makers, you know, like one of those type of dealies. And I don't know if I'm that sh- professional. Get your chef hat out, you know. Let me start with the toaster and we'll take it from there. I think that's fair. Toast well, toaster's pretty useful. It's <laughs> it's kind of an essential, right? Yeah, I, I this would isn't say the so. first time I found myself toasterless in my life too. It's just it's kind of like at the bottom of necessities, unfortunately, because like I said, you can just put it in the broiler and still get your toast. It's gonna be fine. Yeah. But yeah, it's not the same. No, sir, it's not. Sometimes there's some burnt fingers involved, and yeah, that's no good. I'm sure today's movie could tell us all about that, but we'll get into it. Yeah, everything good? You get some some cool stuff. I actually in the like, piggy bank. No, well, I I was. I haven't really gotten anything new recently. I've actually been taking a little bit of a break. I, I watched I was, out. This all, is a all my rare stuff. week. Sir. I know. Good for you. I, I cleared everything out and uh, I've been, I, I made more of an effort to like watch some stuff streaming. So I, I, I watched, I don't think I mentioned it last time, but I watched uh sign of the times uh, finally. Oh, cause it, cause it's on um, what's everywhere. it called? Uh, it's everywhere. But yeah, I, I watched it on uh what did I do? Tubi, right? Tubi. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Um, It was great. I mean, it, it's, so it's one of those things where like, I hadn't seen it before. I mean, I, I just, I love Prince, but that one was out of print for so long. Yeah. You just couldn't see it. It's, I mean, it's I, weirdly not like, it, it, there's no reason not to put out blues of that regularly. Right. It's, I feel like it's, it's, it's probably going to come eventually. I think it has to. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they're going to do some deluxe something with it. Although you it, think they would have done that with Sign of the Times, you know? <laughs> so with with the box set, because that's what I was going to say, They there is a live concert DVD, but it's a different show. So it's a oh, show wow. from, I think it's from New Year's Eve, like 87. And I've watched it and it, it's it's sort of similar. It has like that whole like kind of like play stage play kind of like, you yeah. know, there's the like the interpretive kind of dance stuff. There's the you know, there's all the it's an experience. It's, it's exactly the best way to say it. It's it's similar. Same tour. So it's got a lot of the same vibe. So it's very similar. Cool. Um, so it, and it, but it's, it's got some more songs. There's more songs to oh. it. it, it because I think Sign of the Times, the movie was condensed, obviously, compared to like a full like concert. Yeah, it's theatrically um, released, if I remember correctly. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, it was on VHS for a very short time and then went out of print. Um, yeah. 
yeah, that was, that, that was a good experience. And I'm, I'm still making my way through uh, a different world. I'm almost done. I have eight, eight episodes left. It really is a race between you and me on finishing Green Acres and you finishing that. So we'll see. Yeah. How about you? I did some streaming. Uh, I didn't. I, I, I'm keeping it light myself and trying to get through all the stuff that I own. So, but uh, mm-hmm. comics wise, they just put out a Captain Britain omnibus that has like everything, and okay. uh, it's a real nice package. Like as far as like extras, Marvel usually skimps on that stuff, but this thing is like huge. So, quick cool. shout out to that. Uh, watched to live and die in L.A. yesterday. Okay. Always a good time. Our audience, I'm sure, would like that one. Are you a fan of uh, of those films? I have not seen that, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, yeah. there's your homework assignment. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, it was Good Friday recently, so I watched the long Good Friday. The, I one saw you post. Yeah. The, be- the best Good Friday movie of all time. <laughs> I believe you haven't seen that as well. I have not seen that. All right. That's on HBO Max. I, I should, I should, I want you to do that one. Yeah, that one I can do. If you could do that. If it's on, if it's on Max, I can do it. Yeah, yeah. I've been meaning to. That's yeah. another one of those criterions that I was waiting for them to do a, a, a an upgrade of. And they I know. Just haven't. They haven't done it. I bet a 4K could come from that, though. Hmm. I could see that Possibly. being one of the 4Ks. But give that a, give that a, a check out. And, uh, you know, I'll buy you a copy if it comes out on, on whatever edition. That, that's on me. As long oh, as you like yeah. it, I'll get I'll get you the copy. That's recorded. It's a promise. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And then not on Easter, but uh, watch Passion of the Christ <laughs> was on TV. <laughs> And started, wow. I hadn't watched it in many years, and I was like, "Yeah, it's a good time, man." Yeah, I, like, I watched um, like that Scorsese. Uh, yeah, I, was, I I usually watch the Last Temptation of of Christ, but it's just I Jesus I Christ. I said today. Passion of the Christ, and that's exactly what I meant was Last Temptation. Okay, you, see, I was you should have laughed at me way harder, sir. I apologize. This is I, I laughed, but because I I couldn't tell if you were like, "Oh, this is a normal thing that I do," and I I didn't yeah. want to necessarily like Dan. Be let mean me tell you. you something about myself no please be mean to me i'm not religious i like scorsese and i watched yes. the last temptation and was, that movie's fun last it's, temptation. it's a lot it's a lot of fun yeah yeah so that's good and speaking of scorsese mm. dan had sent me a video from one of his uh frequent players mr pesci joe pesci mm-hmm. uh, i finally watched this and i've been saving it because i knew it was gonna delight me and i really just was when i needed it the most i, I was put in my pocket and Boy, did it, it come through. It delivered. It's amazing. It's amazing. So for the audience, you got to check this thing out. It's called Half Nelson. Go in on the theme song and then take it from there. It's a very long theme song about <laughs> Los Angeles belonging to me, Dan. To yes, me. Yes, to you. Yes. Uh, there's a introduction. <laughs> one part where you go through the cast and you're blown away by everybody who's in it. And we'll get to that in a second. But then it says introducing Tony as Hunk. It's like a Spuds McKenzie dog. Yeah. <laughs> It's so good. And it's he's from, built ahead of, of human actors, too, by the way. Of, of ahead of, like, numerous, Dean Martin, dude. Dean Martin, Bubba Smith. Yeah, uh, he's, like, right in the middle. Like, it's, like, a, but, like, yeah, he is ahead of people when, like, you introduce someone. Usually that's your your last Yeah, one, like, usually but, the dog's, like, oh, that's the, the funny, like, humor. Like, oh, there's a dog in there. It's, like, that's yeah, cute. Like, that sort of thing. The cast is insane. Yeah. Yes. Fred Williamson, Victoria Jackson, Bubba Smith, Dick Buckkiss, Gary Grubbs, Dean Martin as himself. Yes. And, um... Yeah, it's it it's insane. I had to look it up. So this is from 1985, and I'm like, mm-hmm. what? Where is Pesci in his career at this point? Yeah. So he had just done Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in America. Mm-hmm. So things were going good. It's from the creators of Quincy Me, which I haven't really seen too much of, but I don't think it's a comedy. But this is, I at least it's more like outwardly a comedy. Whereas I don't know, you know, maybe Quincy gets a little funny. I don't know. 
but I think there's little quips in there's like little quips in Quincy, but I feel like Quincy it, from quips. What I remember it's a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit more serious. Yeah. Um, yeah, that sounds right. I mean, of course, it's the 80s. They're going to have some fun. But this thing, it, it's the tone is insane. It, like it feels very low budget, but I watched an episode of this day and I put on a random episode because it's on YouTube. Right. How was it? I, it's in, and it's a, of a weird quality, so it doesn't feel real, is what I will say. Like, yes. it's, the whole it feels thing, like a dream. <laughs> it, it feels like a dream, but also feels like a bit, like a sketch. Like you're just like waiting for it. And at the same time, and I don't know if this is just like the quality of like the VHS, but it feels like kind of like an old porno, but like with no sex and not like <laughs> in the horny way, but just like in the like, here's your pizza, but not even like it's going to lead to something. Um, yeah. And it has a weird score, which I think is responsible for a lot of the vibe, but. Okay. Um, I put on a random episode. He saves a topless woman uh, who's just running on the beach from some troublemakers. And it was weird. There's a lot of Victoria Jackson in it for sure. But yeah, here's the synopsis. Rocky Nelson, the half Nelson in, in question. He's a former New York City cop who moved to Beverly Hills, where he got a job at a private security service for the rich and famous while attempting to make it as an actor. In addition to guarding celebrities, he also helps solve crimes. Yeah, he he is terrible in this thing. He is he is not funny. He really is just best when he's around good people because yeah. But I had a blast and I can't wait to watch more of it. And I hope it gets like released sometime. It was a hoot. For sure. Yeah, no, I I think I mentioned that. Yeah, that's my next watch after I'm done uh, a different world. That's like in my next order of business. So that'll be coming up a lot on the show in future episodes. It yes. sounds like. Yeah, but like I, I, I think I stumbled on it because I watched a couple of those uh, Maver TV movies that I got from Kino. Uh, the star flight one and um, was it Superdome? Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like reading through the cast and I went down like a rabbit hole and like, and I found the show through that. And I watched the trailer. I was like, this is like, it, like, like I said, it, it was almost like you're watching like a parody like theme title, like on like a sketch show, like SNL yeah. or something like that, where you're like, you're like they're just parodying a show, but it's hundred percent real. Yep. Um, and it's amazing. So yeah, I, I can't wait to watch it, but I, I knew that you would appreciate it. So loved it really, it really beyond delivered. So yes, I'm glad. Maybe we'll find a way to post that on the, on the accounts just yes. to really get everybody on board. Well, he's a, he's a former cop as the private eye, you know, is, you know, we can, we could work it. <laughs> they got to pay for that one. How yeah. much did we, we said 1299, right? Yeah. Patreon. Yep. That's an expensive Patreon, but that that's yep. how the lads do it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh that's all i got if you're ready to jump in this one's gonna be a monster so i feel like we gotta make yeah. it happen yeah uh, first off i lied to everybody last week when i had first checked this it was streaming on hbo max it is not streaming on hbo max anymore, so that was fun but i found it we did it we're good we're at episode 68 everybody look at that beautiful criterion you know yeah. if they're involved it's probably a good one especially because it's warner brothers they didn't archive this one yeah so that's that's a lot of money and handshakes. It better be yeah. damn good. We'll find out. Episode 68. Tagline, Dan. In her heart of hearts, she knew it would happen this way. And a mother's love leads to murder. Ooh, that sounds like a plot of a movie. That sounds like a plot of Mildred Pierce. Not just a name. But a title released September 28, 1945 by those brothers Warner, mm -hmm. directed by Michael Curtis. Screenplay. Thank you, Dan. You're welcome. I was waiting for that. Screenplay by Ronald McDougal, based on the novel by James M. Kane. We remember that guy. I do know that guy. We know we know these guys. Well, Mr. really double indemnity. Yep. 
And our favorite, Postman Always Rings Twice. So that's a fucking great film and a shitty film. Where does this one lie? Is this the tiebreaker? Let's find out. Welcome to the show, everybody. The waves crash. They're washing away the credits. We can't can't have those pesky things in the sand. Ah, yeah, it's lovely. And it takes us right into the sands of instant murder. It's night at Monty Berrigan's beach house, and he's been gunned down. He only says Mildred. One word before dying, and yes, it's Mildred. She sounds cool, Dan, so let's meet her. Mildred Pierce, played by the legendary Joan Crawford. Here she is at long last, and she is found at the pier. She's about to jump over the side railing before she's stopped by a night watchman and sent home. She listens to him, but she's obviously distraught. She's been crying, and she's stopped by old Wally Faye, who is an old childhood friend of hers. He knocks at her from inside a bar window to come on inside and hang out. And she does, but she's not too into it. And she's able to convince him to come get a drink at the beach house. Cause after all the drinks are better there. Yep. Wally's suspicious, but you know, he's also always had a thing for Mildred and seems like she's kind of aware of that, but he ignores the fact that she's married and decides to get real comfortable. She fakes herself a little spill and excuses herself as he drunkenly goes on. And then she bails and (laughs) Monty's body is just chilling there, which he eventually finds. And yeah, she's running off on the beach. He finds the body, realizes he's been thinked and he tries to run off, but the police are outside waiting and he's busted. It's a nice scene at the the beginning. I love the, yeah, all the, all the shots. Yeah. All the shots that like when you're seeing run through the house, just like the spiral staircase, like just the shadows, just everything, just like, some of my favorite shots in the entire movie are, are that. I and mean, they just look so, so good. So good. You're getting the, you know, the the darkness and the shadows on the, the upper crust, the elite, you know, on a, a fancy mm-hmm. mansion beach house. Everybody's Pretty dream weird house. Yeah. yeah. But dreams are they can be deceiving. They can be and washed they, away. Exactly. Will. Yes. And this is film noir and we got the glass. So <laughs> splash, yep. splash. Time passes and Mildred returns home with her daughter, Veda, who is played by Ann Blythe. Shout out to her. She is mm. fucking despicable. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty awful. <laughs> Does a phenomenal job at being so awful. Yeah, so they head back and the police are waiting there for them. They bring in Mildred into the station and Bert Pierce, which is her first husband, where she got the Pierce from. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in custody as well. And they bring her in for questioning. But then they're like, you know, hey, we actually don't need you. So thanks for stopping by. <laughs> and she's like, uh, wait, what's up? Who killed my husband? And they're like, yeah, we want to stick it on your ex, Bert. But she instantly protests. She's like, he's a pussycat. He's a real nice guy. Like, you know, what about Wally? He's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) But Hmm. they like who they got. They've got a gun. They got everything they need. So they're like, hey, if you're going to sway us, you better go ahead and flash us back to a hell of a yarn. And she's like, I'm Joan Crawford. So hang on tight. And now we're in a verbal time machine to the past. And the past always means hard times, Dan. So Mildred. She talks of her life with Bert, who she had married at 17. Bert was business partners with Wally, who we met earlier. They were in real estate, but Bert lost his gig. And now Mildred, she has to bake her buns off to keep this ship afloat. Uh, She works very hard to support her family, which includes two daughters, Veda, who is 16, and Kay, who is 10. She's hyper-focused on work and making sure that her daughters succeed and are taken care of, which Bert resents. He's not feeling like he's getting attention and, you know, it's, it's too much. These little shits don't deserve it. <laughs> yeah, see, it's just like no matter what Joan Crawford does for her daughter, just like at least for her, for uh, Vita, it just never seems like it, it. It's it's good enough. Like like Vita no. always has this kind of like 
grandiose idea of like, oh, you know, I want to be have this rich kind of outlook and I'm this, you know, super, you know, high class sort of vibe. You know, uh, people, she, yeah, they respond differently to their upbringing and how yeah. she chose to respond was she wants to get out any way possible and yeah. and feels great disdain for having even been there to begin with. Yeah. And, um, you know, she doesn't have any appreciation for these singing lessons she's taken. You know, those are very expensive. The piano, the whole thing. But Bert, he doesn't like any of this either, but he's a bum. So it's hard to gain an upper hand here. And a well-timed phone call from his mistress, Maggie uh, Biederhoff. Mm -hmm. uh, That doesn't help. And so Mildred gives him the boot. And the girls are walking home and talking. And this is where we really get a feel from them. Like Vita, obviously, she sucks. She'll do anything to succeed the expense of anybody and her sister Kay. She's great. She's like a tomboy and she actually enjoys life. She's happy. And they see their father leaving and Mildred is setting the table for dinner and they're letting her know, Hey, by the way, dad's not coming home. (laughs) Cause Vita, of course, you know, she cuts right to the business. She, she feels no emotion. And she, in this moment too, she only really cares about this dress that she got that was supposed to be coming for her. And that's able to make her forget that her family is broken (laughs) Like in an instant. And she goes upstairs with Kay to try it on. And she's just awful. I-, I can't stress that enough. And she doesn't appreciate any of this gift that Mildred worked her ass off for. And to make it worse, Mildred even like overhears the whole thing. So she knows how much her daughter doesn't even like her. And she's alone. She's broke. Constantly reminded by it. Wally, he swings by just to show that he's still a sucker. Even though mm-hmm. it's coming from the past. And that he likes Mildred. And she's just not feeling that, though. She sends him off. She's like, you know, I don't care that I'm separated. It's still not going to be you. But Vita is awake and she overheard the whole thing because she's a little snoop. And she's like, yo, marry Wally. He's rich. This house fucking sucks. Take the hit. We can upgrade. It's going to be great. And Mildred realizes it's time to do something about this. This is getting out of hand. So she's got to figure out what to do on her own terms. She looks for unemployment, but. It's no dogs allowed. Nobody wants her. She's unexperienced. You know, she's just been working, making pies in her kitchen the whole time. Mm. Everyone wants experience. So she ends up at a restaurant just going in for a cup of tea. And she sees that they're shorthanded and tough talking ladies. You know, the kind that light matches with their heel. (laughs) That's Ida Corwin, who's running the place. She's cool and no nonsense. And she takes pity on her. And she also needs the help. I mean, it is busy there. And she decides to take Mildred under her wing. And it's a great call because she learns to really thrive there and uh, even starts baking for the restaurant. Mm. But things are going too well. So we need Veda to come in and she finds her mother's waitress uniform and uses this information to humiliate her by putting it on Lottie, their maid, which shout out to Butterfly McQueen, but also poor Butterfly McQueen. Give her better roles. Stop casting her as the maid. That's not cool. But always did a great job. Fascinating backstory with her. Feel free to look her up. But yeah, it's real nasty and awful. But she despises the trashy baking lifestyle that her mother lives. And even with Mildred crying, and she's like, I'm working hard for you. It means nothing to her until she hears that Mildred wants to open up her own place. and Maybe that'll make them rich. So she's like, yeah, do that. And so Mildred goes to Wally, who's ever the sucker to help her open it up. Mildred has her eye on this one particular location, which Wally finds out is owned by Monty Bergeron. Bergeron. Bergen, thank you. Mm-hmm. Spelled so weird. <laughs> yeah. Monty, our old friend Monty. Remember him? Um, yep. So they head to his beach house. Remember that? To try to win him over, even though it's a total major gamble for him. They're not putting any money down, but 
Joan Crawford's a babe. He's, he's quite taken with her and her beauty. And he decides to go into business with her, agreeing to the deal. The car ride back, Uncle Wally, mm-hmm. <laughs> as he calls himself. He also gives Mildred the heads up that she should divorce Bert because otherwise he's going to own half the restaurant. Nobody wants that. Bert and Mildred, they talk it over. And also, hey, Kay, <laughs> you might want to get that cough checked out, huh? Bert's pretty difficult about this whole thing. He's a little hurt that she's doing the deal with his old partner, Wally, especially. And so he's like, I'm going to fight this divorce. But Mildred's determined. She's she's going to Joan Crawford her way through this. But it's going to have to wait because the kids are going to go off with Bert to Lake Arrowhead. An old horny old Monty. He's going to stop by the restaurant to hit on Mildred a little bit and invite her to the beach house. Did I mention she was horny, Dan? <laughs> She comes, he, she comes out of a borrowed bathing suit and she goes, No whistle? I'd need a police sound. <laughs> That's a good line. Yeah. Uh, so they have a nice, fun, rich, romantic time by the fire. They let the record play out and she returns home psyched. But the rain, that should have been an indication not to be too psyched because it turns out while she was off having fun, Bert's been there waiting for her. Kay's been sick with pneumonia. And so they come racing back and she's actually at the mistress's place too, which is awkward, but you know, she wasn't home. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And this scene with her is, is creepy. She's in this like huge old school, like pneumonia machine. Screen. Yeah. Yeah. We're like no one, you know, the COVID machine they probably use now. Um, But yeah, like no one could get close to her and she's in major pain. You hear her go like, mommy, it's so creepy. (laughs) felt bad for her and now we're just left with one daughter the bad one good one always dies dan yeah (laughs) can't help it but we we do what we gotta do and uh we're going all in on vita the restaurant opens it's called mildred's it's got nice neon lights and everything you never really see a restaurant like that before but i was gonna say it's a very catchy title oh let's go on down to mildred's hey back then that was like the hottest (laughs) name in town you know that was probably like your fucking ashley or something yeah what do they name kids now i don't know those are my peers when i was a little boy i don't even know so yeah mildred's (laughs) i had a great aunt mildred i mean that's where i'm going anytime i think something like that i don't think i know anybody that had relatives named mildred so that's I That's did have cool. one, but yeah, it was exactly as old as you would have expected, like right off the bat. Yeah. Shout out to Aunt Mildred, RIP. She made a good lamb back hmm. in the day. Yeah, that's, that's where we learned that back when I ate such a thing. Uh, <laughs> Mildred's opens. It's doing gangbusters. Mildred's love to cook, I guess is what I'm trying to say. The old gang is there, including Lottie. She's working there. Mildred's old supervisor, Ida's working behind the register, counting the dough. It's just coming right in. Here's a Bacon chicken. Thing. Yeah, exactly. And uh, here's a fun fact for you, Dan. A waitress at Mildred's calls out an order for Adam and Eve on a raft, which is two eggs on a slice of toast, if you ever want to order that. Yeah, I was wondering what that was. That was the only one I did. I was just like, I don't know what that is. Well, now you know. Now I know. Thank you. You're welcome. That's why we're here to teach you <laughs> egg orders. Yeah. There should be a list of all that, right? Maybe, maybe we'll see what we can find. We'll make up a menu. Well, I did like when kind of going back a little bit earlier when uh, when Eve Arden, when Ida was was uh, showing her the ropes and and she's like, oh, no, you don't have to. They're like walking in that line, like all the all the waitresses are walking in the line, like saying what the orders are. Yeah. And she's she's like showing her like, no, you can't say it like that. You got to say it like this. And she's like, you know, before long, you know, she's she's just calling shots and making it happen. You watch kind of her rise up to this point where she becomes this. Great entrepreneur. Tycoon. Yeah, tycoon yeah. of restaurants. It's yeah. a good montage. If you love montages, yeah. come to Mildred Pierce. 
I do like a good montage. So I do ever, too. Ever, ever since Sergey Eisenstein, I've, I've liked some, <laughs> some montages. <laughs> well, montage Monty stops by with some flowers for Mildred and he ends up meeting Vita and they seem to hit it off right in front of Mildred who thinks, you know, old Monty's just being a friendly, good guy. A little, uh, little bit schmoozy, but that's what they do. These money men, I guess. Yeah. All is going great though. Uncle Wally's helping Mildred franchise out. We were, Buying up more businesses. We really are baking the bread. And Bert stops by to give her the divorce in front of Monty, who has a great line that it says, In the Berrigan family, there is an old Spanish proverb. One man's poison is another man's meat. <laughs> That's what you want to hear as a woman, right? Yeah. Speaking of Monty, we also see uh, that with success, it starts to bring him, he's more comfortable asking Mildred for money, even though he's been paid off at this point. You know, first he's like pretending to feel guilty about it. But before long, he's not even trying to put on a show. Yeah. Uncle Wally sees this. He doesn't like it one bit. But Mildred, you know, she says she's in love with him, even though instantly she confides to Ida that nah, she's not. She doesn't love him anymore if she ever did. But Ida also then is like, hey, Veda, she's been taking money from the wait staff. And even Monty as well is sometimes with her when they're coming in. You got to handle this. And, and Mildred's embarrassed. She's like, I'll, I'll pay everyone back. And she tells Monty, you know, we need to talk. You got to stay away from Vita. She's a spoiled 17-year-old and you're a bad influence. So you got to fuck off, dude. And she pays him off because, of course, he isn't going to go quietly. And he goes on his way, which, of course, he's, he's not too proud to take that money. He's like, all right, that's what it, it takes. It is kind of interesting to think about how they're so similar, like Mon- Monty and, uh, and, and Vita. Yeah, you know, I mean, they just, find each other yeah. for a reason, yeah. Right, and, and like it, there's that kind of like almost like social climber kind of thing like but like the, i guess in a bad fiscal sense too like like they, they have like this like insatiable need to like have i guess this some type of status or some some type of wealth but then they just squander it they just constantly squander it and like, i don't even like know that. if it's like they need to be like seen with that wealth too it's like they just actually like want it to just constantly spend money and like live lavishly it's not even like like a respect thing it's just it is like literally just greed well, it's that, but no, actually, in fact, they do mention it because she mentions when she first meets Monty that she read about him in all like the like the high society magazines. So right. he, he's known as this like kind of almost like, I guess you could say like a playboy, but like in like a, I guess, oh, a better way. Yeah, but, I mean, like, he definitely has like a, you know, like a false reputation about right. him for sure. But yeah, I mean, but it, it really is just like greed based. Like it doesn't seem to be yeah. like. I mean, maybe for him, it's more about maintaining that facade, but... Yeah, I think it is. I think it's maintaining the facade, but I think for her, it's more like she just wants to achieve it. Like, she just wants to have the status and the money of being, like, this rich person or giving off this appearance yeah. that she's rich, but she really wants it. She wants to, to be that way. And a good way to get that way is to meet old Ted Forrester. We find out from Wally that they're going to be getting married in secret. They're at his place, his bar, and they, they toast to it. He says, to true love, and we see on Vita's face that that's clearly not what it's yeah. about. It's for the money. The next day, Ted's mother comes in saying, clearly it's about the money. I don't want your shitty daughter in the Forrester family. I'm going to go ahead and stop this marriage. And that's all news to Mildred, but she still takes her daughter's side anyways. And so she goes to talk to Vita and Uncle Wally is there. And she finds out that Wally already knew about this. And also the marriage already happens too late. Mm-hmm. And Mildred's like, well, do you love Ted? Is this good news? And she's like, no, I don't know what love is. He's fucking loaded. So regardless, Vita agrees to annul the union and it seems like all is well. But when it's time to sign the papers, she, she really pulls some good moves and she reveals that 
she's pregnant and she wants $10,000 and she gets it. She succeeds in this payoff and she goes full supervillain and tells Mildred her whole scheme. The pregnancy's fake. Yeah, by the way. Yeah, by the way, pregnancy's fake. I full on hate you, mom. You stink of poor. And Mildred finally gets it now. She tears up the check, which leads Vita to smack her on the stairs, which fun fact, real smack. Yep. And Blythe said Joan Crawford said to give her a real good slap and she succeeded. And after that, Vita gets thrown out on the street, penniless, and Mildred goes to Mexico to celebrate, you hope, but probably just to calm down. Yeah. She returns home. I mean, we don't see any of this Mexico, but it happened. Ida's filling her in on the business that's gone on since she was away. And of course, Mildred's going to ask about her daughter. Bert comes by, invites Mildred to go out and get a bite. So they go to Wally's nightclub. And who do they see performing up on the next uh, next up on the stage is the lounge singer. And it's uh, it's Veda. Dan, what do you think of her singing? Do you think those lessons paid off? Yeah, it, it was okay. It's, it's more for like, as you can see, like the sailors sitting there just whistling and hollering. And and, and, and wolf you whistled kinda... by all these horny sailors. And, yeah. yeah. But, you know, <laughs> okay. There's lessons. Yeah, I, I don't think that's what uh, Mildred had in mind. Could have played a catchier song or something, at least. But yeah, yeah. I, I should hope that's not what Mildred had in mind. How dare she did? Right. Your daughter. Mildred goes backstage after being horrified by this display. She begs her daughter to come home. But Vita, she doesn't think her low-rent mom could provide her with the extravagant lifestyle she knows she deserves. But Mildred's desperate. So she's like, I'll go back to horny old Monty. We'll arrange to be married. But when she goes to do so, he wants one-third of her successful restaurant franchise, a.k.a., you know, love. (laughs) Yeah. So now things are finally up to Veda's standards. And she's like, I'll go ahead and move in to the mansion. And if it's a mansion, I'll, I guess I'll live here. I guess it's good enough for me. Yeah. But you can't have those two under the same roof. That, that's going to mean great evil is a Bruin. And Monty yeah. and Vita are definitely evil. They're off on a spending spree. And, you know, Mildred's pies only bring in so much money. And she loses the business to Wally, which Wally is bummed. I was like, I didn't want to do this, but you left me no choice. And make matters worse, Monty was slimy, of course, and he's selling his share, so Wally has to sell his thing just to profit. Classic Monty. Yeah. And Mildred's pissed. <laughs> she She's wearing fur, she's grabbing a gun, and she heads off to the beach house. We find Monty there, and she goes there to find him, and, and she finds him all right. Uh, she tells the cops in the present, or back to the present, that he was alone, and that she killed him, but the cops, they, they don't buy it. They're like, yeah, right. We already know your shitty daughter killed him. And uh, we got her when she was running off to Arizona or something like that. Yeah. That's where you go to. (laughs) But yeah, you didn't even know it, but you, you confirmed all these like times and and motives. And now we know when that Veda was at the beach house. So we got you. And Veda is pissed. (laughs) Of course. Mildred, she tearfully confesses that actually she did find Monty kissing Veda. I mean, she, they're all up on each other. Oh yeah. On the bar. Yep, Dan was clearly very excited by it. That's why I just gave off that sexual yawn. <laughs> uh, no, I, I was thinking of, I, I really like the the reveal for them is great. Like, I yeah. don't know if you noticed it, but like the, the the light first, it shows, I think it's on Vita first and then on Monty, but it does it one by one. Yeah. So it's kind of dark and you see like kind of like the lower halves of both of them as she's kind of on the bar and they're kind of making out. And then the light shines on her, then another light shines on him. And just and you get that reveal. And I just thought that was a really nice little touch. Everybody is exactly who they are, just slimy, evil, and you get Joan Crawford pissed off, which is why you come to the movies. <laughs> yeah. It's great. And so 
they're like, we've been in cahoots the whole time. And now we have Mildred's money. Monty is going to divorce you. We're going to run off forever and we're going to get married. And Monty's like, uh, yeah, by the way, Vita, you're awful. We are not getting married. You're a rotten little tramp. I know exactly who you are. And she hates that. So that leads her to shoot him dead. And Vita suckers Mildred one last time, gets her to help her to cover this thing up. Even though she <laughs> the whole way to convince her is like, yeah, it's your fault that uh, I'm this way. You did this. But Mildred, the poor thing, she buys it and she decides to pin it on old Wally, you know, because A, he's an easy sucker. But she was also a little mad at him, too, about the whole thing. Yeah, it made sense to her. Exactly. Like that seemed like the most logical to her, but not the cops, because they're like, he had no motive. So clearly we're fine here. Clearly it was Veda. You know, they read the book. They they saw the script for the movie. They know it was coming. (laughs) Mildred tries to apologize to her daughter as she's uh, going to jail. It's not looking good for her, but. She, she scoffs at her. It's not going to happen. And Mildred takes off. And her first husband, the Pierce, the strong Pierce family continues. Bert's outside waiting for her. The end. So what so did you think of that? I you thought it was a, great. I did take a big <laughs> sip. I did think it was great. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm not trying to hide anything. Yeah. This movie's a 10 out of 10 for me. I love it. And you, you'd seen this before, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've actually, oh, okay. I've seen this one a bunch. This is, it, it, I really, really, really love this movie. I had a question for you. Okay. One thing that we'll, we'll get into is the murder plot. The noirness of this is added onto it. There, right. you know, there's an HBO miniseries from the you know 2011 or something. Kate Winslet. Mm-hmm. It's like almost a hundred percent faithful. It uses like the original dialogue. Doesn't have the murder plot. Is what it is. It's a little hard to contend with uh, Veda without having some sort of fucking consequence for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my question is. Is the murder important to the film? Did it, does it, does your enjoyment go away without it? Yes. Like, like it is important to it because I, I feel like then it just, it just becomes a melodrama, which like, I'm not necessarily opposed to, but it, this gives it at least a little bit of an edge that I think it needs. Like, like, cause I mean the, the book, I mean, obviously the book is characterized as just this like psychological drama, right. which it has in this, in this movie. It, but I think the, the kind of noir-esque, elements elevate it like i think it gives it a little extra punch yeah it's a little it's a little bit odd because like a bunch of the movie does play out like just like kind of almost like a melodrama yeah really it's just like the the bookends like how it's framed you know like it is just that but you know it it is also like over you know hangs over the plot the whole time and right yeah i don't want to watch a melodrama just some shitty kid (laughs) right because i mean the the nice thing about the device of them actually making that decision to do it via flashback, which was kind of a nod to Double Indemnity, also James M. Kane, because uh, they like that as a plot device. But it works because you see the murder in the beginning and that sucks you in. You're like, okay, like they kind of tell you it, it's, oh, you think it's Mildred, but it's really not because he says Mildred. So you're thinking the whole time, like, all right, well, what led up to Mildred killing it? And at the end, a little bit of the twist is she didn't actually kill her. Yeah, so, because so, all the time you're like, she seems great. Why would she kill this guy? Yeah, exactly. So, you, so it, it keeps you in the movie the whole time because you're like all right now now we're tracing the the, the line back and like wh- why did this happen or how did this happen so I, I think that keeps you interested in in the movie yeah and that's why i give it 10 out of 10 mildred pies mildred restaurants there you go <laughs> 10 franchises out of the 10 local franchises you would so you're saying you would you would have been a franchise if if you uh no, I would not have invested knowing what I know. But Oh, that's fair. Yeah. If, say if you didn't know, say if she had this facade on 
Where I'd be like Wally, like, you know, you could run a place, but I can't put you in charge of that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Because what happens when your daughter gets out? I don't believe that this saga is over for you, but good luck, crazy kids. Well, they make the illusion that she, since she murdered them, that, she, that she's going to get the, I think I read like, they kind of allude to the fact that she's probably going to get a ga- the gas chamber because she killed somebody. I hope so. And it's not even because of the murder, but that's right. nice to know too. Uh, but this film, as we stated, it's based on the novel Mildred Pierce by James M. Kane, who, of course, we know quite well here on the podcast. We love the postman always rings twice and mm-hmm. double indemnity. Did it pass on out of the past? The novel was different because of its focus on a working woman it had, who had actual depth. A lot of his ladies in his books, you know, really didn't have that. And even, you know, we've seen the movie versions. They're great femme fatales, but could use a little more. It's nothing like this, but. The story inspiration had come from his friendship with Kate Cummings Logan, who was a former singer who had sacrificed her career to help advance her daughters, was an actress named Constance Cummings. Uh, She did indeed find minor success as an actor, and she lived a very long life. So at least that paid off. Yeah. Hollywood naturally always had an eye on Kane's works, and Warner Brothers producer Jerry Wald, he instantly saw the potential in this story, but he would have some hurdles. Jack L. Warner had proposed filming the novel to the MPPA, but immediately he was told that it wouldn't be approved as is. So they would have to make some major changes to keep the code happy. So they lost any references to extramarital sex and they gave us a reason to hate beta murder. So with all this, they, the MPPA, they gave a cautious approval and Warner approved the purchase rights to the novel in early 1944. The writing of this film would be quite laborious. Eight different screenplays were written Uh, including contributions from author William Faulkner, Mm -hmm. which featured an even more evil (laughs) Veda. But in the end, it was McDougal's script that would reign supreme. It seems like Hungarian director Curtiz, you said, Dan? Michael Curtiz, yeah. Michael Curtiz. uh, It seems like he was attached to this film pretty early, pretty quickly, which speaks to Warner's belief in the film, seen as he was one of their favorite directors, especially after the smash mega hit Casablanca in 1942. Mm -hmm. Real quick, Dan, you consider Casablanca noir? I find that to be a popular question in our circles. I will say no, but it's one of my all-time favorite movies. I absolutely love Casablanca. There you um, go. A couple of noir but, lovers say we we love it, but yeah, it's got the vibes, but no, it's not. Yeah, it's more of like a... I hate to say it, but it's more of a war drama, technically. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's at wartime. That's, that's mostly what it's about. Like, I would characterize it more as that than anything. I agree with that. Yeah, I like that. So there you go. That's our official stance. If you see us do it on the show, we, we must have fucked up, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't let that happen. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm always down to do an, a, you know, a, a talk about Casablanca. I could, I could talk all day about that movie, but... Um, It'd be a bonus episode or something, but not official on the timeline. Yes, I, but I agree. We'll but I, I will say this about, about Michael Curtiz. Um, I think he's super underrated. I, I, I love a lot of his films, and I feel like he doesn't really get a lot of the attention and praise that he deserves in comparison to a lot of his contemporaries. I mean, I, I don't think that was true at the time, but certainly now, like right. I'm saying now, yeah, yeah. now it, like in comparison to those of, of the, like that were contemporary with him at the time. Like, no, I mean like the, the fucking mega smashes that he did. And he did so many films where, you know, the actors were nominated and won, you know, Cagney. Yeah, exactly. Like he, he, you look at his filmography and it's impressive. And anytime I've seen a film of his, like it's always been, great he's, he's a great director so including the the two i will always shout out that warner archive just put out the uh the two color 
Tenet Colors. He he directed both um, Mystery of the Wax Phantom and uh, Doctor X, um, which I both absolutely loved. Wonderful pre-code films that the restorations look absolutely amazing. Can't it sounds like you got a, an essay to write, Dan. I I would do it. I would do it. Anytime I can get that in there somewhere, I'm going to do it. So took my opportunity. And Angels with Dirty Faces too. Um, they just yep. they just put that out too, and that that movie's amazing. Not not film noir, but a very 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 good movie. Not film noir, but I, our audience would still dig it. I think. I, I think so. It, I yeah. would say it's it's noir adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's got the title at least, you know. Like yeah, you, I mean, some of them must it's 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 got Cagney, it's got um Bogart, you know, it, it's it's got some elements, maybe proto proto noirish. Yeah, you could say, but it's just a good movie, just a very good movie, and and the print looks amazing for Warner Archives. So yeah, another one I would recommend. Yeah, like like you said earlier, all the Warner Archives, all these are you know a lot of Curtiz's work is 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 Warner. So a lot of the heavy hitters, and yeah, yeah. I mean, they they loved them, and it is it is shocking that it's not this wasn't on Warner Archive, but yeah. I'm glad, you know, because this Criterion does a good job. But yeah, they, they, and they did a great job. I didn't get to go revisit all of the extras on this, but there's some pretty cool extras on here. Yeah, I mean, it's Mildred Pierce. There's, yeah. there's expectations. It, it's deemed culturally significant, Dan. So it is. Yes. <laughs> That's true. But Curtis, he's an interesting guy. Uh, he's, he's known as a no nonsense, harsh taskmaster during his uh, productions, which is not helped by the fact that he was too busy making movies to ever slow down and learn English, really. Yeah. Um, but he was extremely active. He was sober and he had a dislike for lunch, Dan. He viewed them as lazy and he thought they would slow actors down. He would even call them lunch bums. <laughs> See, I love lunch. That's where that's where he and I that's where he and I differ on that. I'm a lunch bum for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And if he had his way, he would have been happy with Anne Sheridan, Barbara Stanwyck. Any or, anybody but John Crawford. Anybody but Joan Crawford. Even Betty Davis was up for it, you know, her rival. But Joan Crawford, she's the one to get it. She also had a friendship with the producer, so that helped her. She did a screen test too. She, which at the time was weird because she, you know, for she was one of the biggest stars in Hollywood, and then she went in that kind of like slump where they called her the quote unquote uh, box office poison. Yes, um, the and, nicest uh, thing you could say is someone. Yeah. yeah. So she was kind of on a down slide in her career. So you yeah. think like I, I don't know what the equivalent would be now of like you know a major star that had would have to like. You know, re- basically, you know, screen test or audition for something. It just seems crazy. But she won him over. She won it, him over. It was a different time. Yeah, she yeah. had some aces up her sleeve, you know, despite the fact that at this time, she also had a reputation for being quite difficult. That was, yeah. that was impossible to escape. But yeah, one was her friendship with producer Jerry Wald. He championed her for the part. And then the other was that a lot of women in Hollywood viewed the role as a single mother as just something that would age them in the eyes of the audience. So they weren't really chomping at the bit to do that. But Crawford, as we are saying, she had nothing to lose. She understood Mildred quite well. Her, she herself had worked as a waitress and saleswoman before she had found success in acting. So mm-hmm. despite the fact that she was forced to screen tests, which was absolutely beneath her, she went for it. She knew the part was too good and had that potential for the comeback. And the test went so well that even Curtiz was forced to admit that she was perfect for Mildred. For the role of Veda, many were considered as well, including one of our favorites, Martha Vickers. Mm-hmm. And Benita Granville. Yep. Too. I don't know if they would have been as evil, though, because, yeah, 16-year-old Anne Blythe, she just, she really killed it. I think, like, as much as I love Martha Vickers, because uh, she kind of plays a, a very, very co- more coy version in, in uh, Big Sleep, but I don't think she could have, been, she's got the look but she just right. doesn't have the nastiness right know? i think that's exactly that that's what she would have been lacking like this kind of undercut of this like you know this kind of like piercing 
uh, nastiness to her. I just don't think she could have brought that as much as uh, Anne Blythe did. And you love way. you love to hate her, and she's yeah, she's so good at it. You know, you're really putting yourself through it when you watch on screen and blood is yeah. boiling, but you're like, ah, that's great because she's doing a good job. It, it's fascinating, and uh, she's still alive too. Yeah, exactly. So maybe we could get her on the show at some point. Yeah, uh, she was privately coached by Crawford for the screen test, which helped her. Warner Brothers was hesitant at first because they would have to have her loaned out from Universal where she was under contract. But once the test came out, it was so powerful, too powerful to ignore. And Warner's, they began negotiations immediately for her. Working title for the film was House on the Sand. Not so good. Glad they stuck with Mildred Pierce. I was shot in Glendale in Malibu in California. And this was wartime after all. So, of course, there was restrictions in Malibu and permission had to be granted from the U.S. Navy to film there, which was given under the condition that they be allowed to view all footage that was shot there. Yeah. Hope they liked it. Yeah. It'll get a little exclusive. The beach house, which was owned by Monty in the film, it was built in 1929, had a good run until 1983 when it collapsed into the ocean after a heavy week of storms. Anne Blythe had a great time working and building a relationship with Joan Crawford. They forged a friendship that would last for several years after filming had wrapped, but Curtiz, on the other hand, get a little more trouble adjusting to Crawford. And the start of production was no fun. Uh, he came in with preconceived notions of her based on her reputation and the fact that she was having her blue collar wardrobe altered for better fits and more epic shoulder pads. So he started calling her phony Joni. And, and she said she wanted a quote human being for a director. But <sighs> time went on. She was so good. Of course, we saw it. We saw the movie. And she was so professional that he was worn down and won over and it left us with this classic picture. And at the end of filming, tensions had cooled down between Crawford and Curtiz, and she even gave him a pair of oversized shoulder pads as a gift. <laughs> That'll show him. And Mildred Pierce, we all love it. It was an immediate huge hit for Warner Brothers. In fact, it made more than half of Warner Brothers' profits in 1945. There were ads everywhere with the slogan, don't tell anyone what Mildred Pierce did, which had been spoofed by a Los Angeles diner that had a sign stating for 65 cents, we'll not only serve you a blue plate, we'll tell you what Mildred Pierce did. It's a pretty good deal, but spoilers, right? I was going to say, I, I wonder what they would have, uh, would they actually have given away the plot? Like, were people asking for it? Do you get it with the bill? Like, she didn't yeah. do it. Nothing. Written, she, written, she, written on the she made a pie, yeah. I, hey, I guess if you give them a bill and it says nothing, then they are telling you, right? Yeah. Good, the bad, or, or the ugly style. Her, her daughter did it. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get a shout out to her in a second. Uh, It was nominated for several Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Screenplay, Cinematography, Black and White, because that was a thing back then. Mm -hmm. Supporting Actress noms for both Blythe and Eve Arden. And Joan Crawford was nominated for Best Actress, and she won, which was her only win, which is surprising. She was not there to collect the award, though. She was at home in bed with pneumonia, but according to her daughter, Christina, she actually faked the illness due to the fact that she didn't expect to win and she wanted to avoid humiliation. But after she won, she allegedly got out of bed, put on makeup and her best negligee and went out to meet the press. <laughs> Gotta meet the press. Absolutely. That's what that show's about, right? Yeah. Uh, author James M. M. Kane, he was pleased with the film too, despite the additions. And after seeing it, he sent Joan Crawford a signed first edition of the novel with the inscription to Joan Crawford, who brought Mildred Pierce to life, just as I had always hoped she would be, and who has my lifelong gratitude end quote so not too shabby dan yeah definitely not and i, and I always think about eve arden as the uh the principal from greece and greece too oh yeah <laughs> principal mcgee 
Grease too. Yeah, she's the principal in both. I have a soft spot for Grease too. It is what it is. Yeah, it's a it's a fun, terrible movie. I I, I appreciate fun, terrible movies. It's it's definitely that. I mean, there's there's worse worse bad ones out there. I may have the soundtrack of Grease too. I, this it is like the songs are at least good enough. The songs like, are amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's a trip. Which I mean, is weird because that's what you would really be worried about. But yeah. it's like no, no, no. It's it's everything else. And you thought the first one had a crazy storyline? Like check yeah. this one. Out. Yeah, the second one. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's something. But I mean, I I love the original Grease. I I love. I'm a huge fan. Like I've I've seen that movie more times than I can count. That, that you know movie. the thing about uh, Grease Lightning, Dan. What it's going? It makes the girls cream. Yes, I I didn't want to say it. <laughs> Yo, children would say that, like in like plays at schools. Like they never would take that. They didn't realize that. That was weird. Yeah. Um, there's definitely some things in that <laughs> that I remember when I was a kid, I, I did not pick up on until I was much older. That being one of them. It's still a fun movie. That's what we're here to say. Watch Grease. I, my, my big thing, my big issue with that, that movie in general is I don't understand how in the beginning, like I get for the plot, plot wise, like it drives it because you're new to the the story. But when all the T-Birds get together and they talk about their summers, like, oh, what were you doing this summer? They're, if they're all in a gang friends, would they have spent any time together at all during the summer? Like, like they have to wait till they get back to school to tell each other what they did in the summertime. Like, weren't you guys hanging out all summer? I don't know. Uh, Dan, we might've lost some of that. My grand story about Greece. Well, really, just like I, I think it'll still make sense for the the point that it, yes, they're a gang. Yes, they should have been hanging out during yeah, the it, summer. Yeah. Oh, I was, I was, you know, box boy, such and such, blah blah blah. Danny's like, yeah, I was at the beach. You're at the beach the whole summer. Like they're not even like the yuppie kids either. Like you know, it's like they're the ones who can't afford vacations. So yeah. Right. They're well, they were working. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like yeah. their friendship isn't that strong. Yeah. Well, I mean, Danny had had summer loving, dude. He couldn't. He couldn't be around. Well, we had him a blast, Dan. You know. Yeah, it happened so fast. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's where we, we need to to cut it there. Um, I I, I do want to mention also that since me be, they're being one of my favorite bands, maybe my favorite band of all time. I, I want to do a shout out to Sonic Youth. Their song "Mildred Pierce" on on the Goo album is a great little song. It's all right. I mean, I yeah, I, I'm glad it's named that, but it's like one of the most skippable. <laughs> I love it. I, I I I love that song because of the way it starts and the way it ends. Like I love it, it's just a little song. I mean, it's not their best song. Trust no, me, it's not. Their but best like, song, look but... if you if you're listening to the, I mean, Goo is a great album. So no yes. matter what, you're having a good time. But if you're just taking tracks and that one pops up on the old shuffle, I remember the first time I heard that uh, at the, the ending, I was just like, because you're just not expecting it. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, Goo Goo was my gateway. That was my first uh, Sonic Youth album I ever heard. So it's kind of like the ending of this movie. You weren't expecting it. Yeah, I wasn't. I sure wasn't at all. But I, I just wanted to make sure that I, I would be remiss if I if I didn't mention uh, Sonic Youth there. Good. <laughs> Anything else, Dan? That's about it. Yeah, I, I, I really I really like Mildred Pierce. It's a good movie. I hadn't seen it in a while, so I'm glad we we were able to revisit it. Um, yeah, it was a good time. I I, I like the Criterion version. I, I actually I really like the artwork for it. Yeah, this one was good. It, it was funny, like the the actual the font does remind me a little bit of the out of the past out of the podcast font. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Same color, same vibes. I wonder if they they kind of ripped that a little bit when they were designing it, but we'll let it slide. We all rip off that font when we're designing, Dan. I think yes. that's the less that's what we have in common with Criterion, among many other things. I, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. I guess so. 
yeah. Nope, let's, that's about it. Let's see if we could go ahead and keep that flattery going. We're going to stay in 1945, but this time we're taking a little turn down Scarlet Street. Ooh, uh-oh. Well, hello, Damon. Hello there. Hello. Well, this is the first time I've ever agreed with you, Jane Way. Thank you. <laughs> I find the painter even more fascinating than her painting. What's she like? Mona Lisa without the smile. Something hidden. Sometimes it seems as if she were two people. Maybe it's like falling in love, I guess. You know, first you see someone and, and it keeps growing and you can't think of anyone else. That's interesting. Well, the way I look at things, that's all art is. Every painting, if it's any good, is a love affair. I never heard anyone talk like that before. Oh, well, uh, there aren't many people you can talk to this way. So you keep it to yourself. You walk around with everything bottled up. Yeah, that's right. That's the way it is with me, too. You gotta have money to make money. Capital. Now, the boys at the Acme Garage have cut me in on a half interest if I can put up the money. How much do they want? Oh, three or four thousand. Yikes. Well, for cat's sake, I'm not talking about chicken feed. Use your imagination. You get an interest in a business like that, and it's a cinch to squeeze out your partners. Then you're on easy street. Jeepers, the pipe dreams you have. Now, what about the letter? Well, I can get 50 or 100, perhaps, but I can't get the kind of money you're talking about. I wouldn't know how. Ah. Uh, Johnny! How long does it take you to paint a picture? Sometimes a day, sometimes a year. You can't tell. It has to grow. Of course. It's a matter of feeling. You know how, how feeling grows? It's like, like falling in love, I guess. That's a very good description. The way I look at it, every painting, if it's any good, is a love affair. <laughs> oh, you idiot! How can a man be so dumb? Kitty. <laughs> I've wanted to laugh in your face ever since I first met you. You're old and ugly and I'm sick of you. Sick, sick, sick! Kitty, for heaven's sake. You killed Johnny? I'd like to see you try why he'd break every bone in your body. He's a man. You want to marry me? You? Get out of here! Get out! This, this is big leagues, big time. Two in a row, huh? I know. Some heavy hitters right, right in a row. It's true. Well, we got, you know, a couple more to get through before we're bringing you a very special month next yes. month. Not that it's a secret, but we will get more into it when the time comes. Yeah, looking forward to it. I like a little Scarlet Street Scarlet in my Street directions. Yeah. Yes. No, let's, it's great. Let's give it away now. But come see what we have to say about it. Uh, in the meantime, the real out of the podcast at gmail.com is an email address. You're going to log into Instagram. Who you following? Well, out of the podcast, right? Yeah, that's that's one to check out. I know I'm following it. I unfollowed them recently. Oh, did watch. you? Yeah, you know, just <laughs> not my style. Had enough, huh? I'll think about it. Come all that back. all that content was getting to you. Huh? <laughs> oh, I'm just drowning in content, Dan. <laughs> yeah. But I tried to find escape at Twitter at out of the cast. And that, How'd that, that work out? Not so good. Uh, at first it was good, but now there's more content. Oh, man. But that's all right. 
uh, just head to Apple Podcasts or Spotify to rate, review, or subscribe. That sounds like a good idea. You know, that's I what, might do that too. Yeah, that's good. What's what name are you going to use? Uh, cool guy thirty three. Nice. <laughs> I'm going to be uh, Cornelius Reviewberg the third. I like that. Cornelius yes. is a good name. Okay. Well, makes you think of Planet of the Apes. Yeah, Doctor Zayas does uh, say that once or twice. Yeah. What re- I did rewatch all of those, and that was a good time. I think that was what was that like a week or two? Week or two? I don't even know what day it is anymore. But that was a good time. Cool. <laughs> Just thought I would throw that in. All right. Well, we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week on Scarlet Street. We'll see you then. And in the meantime, though, I got a big old bottle this week. Hey, here's the crime. This is an ad for crime. Yeah. Here's Ready? the crime. <laughs> Simply crime. Simply crime. <laughs>